to Typecast Heroes, where we believe typology can save the world. I'm Amanda Fogelson. And I'm Jesse Miller, and today we are going over the highly, highly requested and anticipated INFP data and all of the results from the education survey that has been collected for, eek, over 18 months was how long the study ended up being because of how many INFPs just really wanted to be a part of the study. So we're going to be talking about all of the information, all of the data, all of the results, and also the implications on the system. So if you don't know about the project or if you want to know some more of the background, you can go to our blog, you can go to our video that's linked below, Welcome to Typecast Hero, but have mercy as we always warn because that video is rough. And you can also go see um, our TCH update for information about all things TCH. Uh, having said that, let's go ahead and jump into it. To give a little background about how um, types were solicited, before the YouTube channel even started, um, I would post in MBTI groups on Facebook trying to get enough participants. INFPs, I never had to go into a specific group for them because when I would go into big just MBTI enthusiast groups and I would tell them a little bit about the project, INFPs would just come out in droves. Like INFPs <laughs> just showed up. I'd never had to specifically say that I was looking for INFPs. Over 130 total ended up showing um, for this project and successfully participated. Only 40% came from the US, which is a really small margin um, compared to every other every type. Other type yeah. Every other type has a, a, a much larger percentage from the US. Um, 5% of INFPs came from India. In fact, um, I had the unique experience of interviewing many INFPs from India on video. Uh, this was during the beginning of the quarantine and I was doing a lot of video interviews. And so it was an interesting, it was an interesting learning experience to see how INFPs address things from all over the world and how they, they deal with similar setbacks and problems mm -hmm. no matter where they are and no matter what the education system looks like because the education system in India looks different than the United States' education system and for them to still have that same kind of difficulty with rigidness and with structure, um, it's been very enlightening. It was a very different way to look at this education system and a different way to attack the problem. Most of the intuitive feelers had a pretty even breakdown between the male and female population. So this was 61% female, 39% male. I had to do the look at the math real quick. And um, that was a pretty even split for the intuitive feelers. Some of the feelers were way more skewed female. And it was also one of the youngest groups at... 60% from the 18 to 29 range. So this was like the young, young set. A lot of the other groups we were looking at about 50% on either side of 30. 60% at under 30 is definitely a much younger dynamic here for this information. Something else that was interesting is I had thought when I first began this project, and, oh God, we're really coming up on almost two years. What? January, it was like January of 2020. January, February 2020, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's insane. Um, I had thought that intuitives would tend to write more than sensors, but 
the INXPs, so INTPs and INFPs definitely uh, proved that wrong. Um, the INFPs, they spoke for, if you looked at all of their answers, it was an average of 95 words per average, which is on the higher end for the 16 types, but it's actually considered kind of low for other feelers. There are a lot of other feelers who had a much higher word count. And especially with that extroverted intuition, people who have that in their first space in their cognitive function stack, if it is their dominant function, they tend to have a much higher word count than those who have it in their second, which was interesting because it's all happening internally. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to see sort of those types of theories play out. So the first question all the 16 types got was a type specific question and it was focused on a negative stereotype that's perpetuated in the MBTI community that is specific to that type. There's a stereotype regarding INFPs and their over-reliance on their own value systems over logic or empirical data. How do you view this stereotype? Amanda and I have talked about this many times about how INFPs really are like the butt of all the jokes for MBTI community. If you look at really any Facebook group, <laughs> the INFPs are usually the ones that get picked on. They are portrayed as overly sensitive or as not being able to use logic at all or as not having common sense. And I was curious to see what kind of emotional reaction I was going to get. So this is one of the things that I consistently tested with all 16 types is how, how fired up do they get about these <laughs> negative stereotypes. I also look for abstract versus concrete definitions. I also look at if they're going to pull from their own personal experience. You can look at the blog to see all of the categories and all of the different pieces and all of my definitions for what I specifically was looking for. But in comparison to the other questions that the INFPs were asked, this was on the lower end with only 87 words per average. And INFPs were really all over the board with this one. We've got 45% who said that it depends or that they weren't sure, 31% saying yes, 24% saying no. When it came to just face value, whether or not they agree with this stereotype or not, really opinions varied all over the place. Something that didn't vary though is that they dealt primarily with the abstract evidence. But one of the criticisms that the data set has come under is, well, aren't these questions abstract? Yes, these questions tend towards the abstract for all of the types, but you'll see that people who are more sensor-oriented, they still find a way to answer into the more concrete realm. Mm -hmm. When it came to INFPs and this question, 81% of them used abstract evidence in their answers. Only 19% used any concrete. There's a stereotype with anyone who has introverted feeling that they just always go off of their gut and they never use fact and they never use logic and they never use solid information to justify why they do things or why they believe things. Even those who are not well versed in MBTI, I think they understand that those who tend to be a little more sentimental are usually seen that way, are usually seen as people who are illogical. And so when INFPs were addressing this question, it seemed very important to them to have some sort of basis for what they were arguing. So the second question that I asked all 16 times was exactly the same, and it was describe the inside of your mind. And Amanda and I have talked about this before, but this one gave the most interesting results. There were six categories, and I am only going to cover the top two really that INFPs answered and then the ones that were the smallest percentages. 
So very early on with the INTPs, I noticed that so many of them were answering using these memory palaces. So when I asked them to describe the inside of their mind, they were using locations. And I wondered if, because INFPs have extroverted intuition as their second, if they would fall into a similar pattern. And lo and behold, yes. Both INTPs and INFPs had the highest percentage at both close to 40% of their responses being these metaphorical locations. So they would say like, my mind is a library and they would give all of these detailed descriptions of what happens when you go into this floor of the library versus the lower floor. <laughs> I was watching Bad Teacher because I always watch it before the school year. This is a, a great movie. movie. It's so good and it's, it's so like good. my, I love it because I feel like it's making some smart observations about what society thinks teachers do and it's hilarious. I can't Versus what they it. really do. I know, right? It's like she says at one point, I thought I became a teacher for all the right reasons. No accountability, summer's off, shorter hours. And I'm like, you're hilarious. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you about those shorter hours. <laughs> she is talking to a student and she talks about their rich interior life. And I feel like that is INFPs and INTPs as well. But INFPs, since this is our focus for this particular data set, they've got really rich internal lives. And it's not just that they're thinking about a lot, but they can describe a lot. And often when they give such detailed descriptions, you would think that they had spent a good amount of time creating this space, like building out this space. They don't <laughs> spend all this time building this. When you ask them a question, it's like it just falls out of them because that's that extroverted intuition and it really like builds up this amazing interior life. So that was the big chunk of their answers were these locations that they were just coming up with on the spot. About a third of their answers also fell into that abstract descriptive, which usually is more associated with the introverted intuitives, but we did have this with extroverted intuitives as well. So this would be like, it's a lot of colors blending together and each color is a, an emotion or each color represents like some sort of memory or we've got thought bubbles that are floating around and they'll crash into each other. It's something that you couldn't see in the real world that they're picturing in their mind and they're able to give words to it. The smallest percentage of them, just like INTPs, were the ones who couldn't do this. There is a condition um, called aphantasia. I think I mispronounced it in my earlier videos, but that's okay. Anyways, aphantasia is when you cannot picture things inside your mind. Not every INFP is able to visually represent things in their mind. Not every INFP can I'm not saying that they can all picture things in great detail, but they can come up with descriptions very quickly. And that's the, the point of this type of question. Their metacognitive ability is very strong in that they're able to explain <laughs> profound thoughts almost without giving it any thought. It's like you can ask them a question and they can give you a really detailed, profound answer without actually necessarily having spent a whole lot of time on that topic. It's pretty incredible. I'm an ENFP, just in case we do. So I have extrovert intuition, but I literally, as I answer questions, will just be like, after I say something, I'm like, that's not really good. That was just a bunch of bullshit. Like, <laughs> like I mean it, it's not, it's not bullshit as in like it's fake. It's just like, it just kind of flows out of you and you're just like putting pieces together as you're speaking. 
And if you can do that well, then like kudos. And it, but it does kind of, as you're speaking, you're just kind of like, I am a vessel and you are giving me a message. Like that's what it feels like in those moments. So I do think that like INFPs and INTPs, they do have to have a lot of processing time. So they don't necessarily have to be talking it out with someone, mm -hmm. but it's like when they talk it out with someone, when they're, they're reaching into their extroverted side or when they're writing, Oh my gosh, the INFPs teachers that I work with, both of them are writers and both of them are just like, the amount of stuff that they put out is, one of them in particular, like puts out like like over a hundred thousand words a year and probably will get mad because I'm probably lowballing that badly. <laughs> but like, <laughs> they just put out so much content and even the INTP teacher I worked mm -hmm. with had a blog and just content, content because those abstract concepts are, is their, that is their playground. When you look at that in the education system, I mean, it's gonna have some profound implications. So we'll be talking about that in just a second. Additionally, with that second question, INFPs tended to like that question. They answered an average of 104 words. The mind question gave INFPs a chance to deal with that abstract world. It was a good place to play. But this third question, which is, what is your take on the formal education system? This really gave them a chance to explain their values. And so the average word count was actually a little higher. And with most feelers, it didn't tend to go that way. They, this was not the question that they necessarily got super amped about. But with INFPs, they had a, they liked the ability to discuss the implications of the system. They liked talking about the system as a whole. They liked talking about, even though I didn't ask them to, the moral quandaries in the education system. I think this gave them a avenue for their introverted feeling, which is their first function, to come to the forefront. So the second question was really leaning more towards their extroverted intuition. This one, introverted feeling and introverted sensing. When we looked at the INTPs, most INTPs had a negative opinion of the education system. When you look at INFPs, it's almost half have a pretty positive view of the system. And so the difference between that would be that integrated feeling versus that integrated thinking process. And we're gonna talk about how both of those things would work in the education system in just a little bit. But it's interesting because also almost a third of them were undecided. They were weighing it both ways. They weren't making a firm opinion. And so I had thought the integrated feeling would lend itself towards more strong opinions when it came to certain things. What I think it's actually doing is it's really good at considering all of the options. And so INFPs, when they were looking at this question, they had a tendency to go all the way around the question and not necessarily answer it directly. They do this great little roundabout thing with their answers of, well, it depends. And then they start to look at all of these little pieces in the education system but by the end, you're like, so wait, is this a good system? Yeah. Is this a bad system? Um, and they've got some really profound thoughts in there, but they're not necessarily answering that direct question. And I've made this analogy to friends before, but I can't remember if I've made it on the channel or not. Introverted thinking, when I'm a typing person, I can see it really quickly. And in my mind, what it looks like the people are doing when they're arguing a point, it's like connecting blocks. So it's like everything, every point connects with each other. When introverted feelers argue a point, it's more like, more like brush strokes. 
Like you can see that all of their points are bleeding into each other, but it isn't that lockstep connection. So for instance, an INTP will be like, because of this, then this. Like, and they'll literally say those words and you can see like the conditionals. And INFP will be like, this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And like, you're like, oh yeah, those are kind of all connected, but the lines are way more wavy. And for the education system, I feel like that those broad strokes tend to, to be a little more adaptable to the education system than something that's as rigid as introverted thinking. The rub comes when it's something that violates their values. I think that if they don't have anything in their personal value system to keep them from learning, the education system can be very friendly to INFPs. But if you do something that is an affront to their logical or to them, sorry, to their value system, that's when things become real tricky. Or if they have something that happens to them to where their value systems make it impossible to learn. Like I'm thinking of that child who dropped out of high school to protest so that she could promote um, green living. Mm -hmm. It's like she didn't have a problem necessarily with the education system, but what she valued was so much stronger than the education system. So if you have an INFP who has a cause that is more dear to their heart than the education system itself, then they may find themselves not really connecting to the system. Kind of the same thing with like being in their heads if whatever is happening in their head and they're not necessarily involved in the system like they're just kind of there because they have to physically be there but they're not actually consciously there constantly because they're in their little worlds that they create um that potentially could make them very undecided and just kind of loop around of like well this is what happens but not necessarily give an opinion uh, or even have a strong opinion on what is happening. Mm -hmm. Something else of this third question approach was big picture versus personal experience and INFPs, just like other extroverted intuitives, almost 60% of INFPs did focus on that big picture. It's really hard to get INXPs to give you direct answers and to give you direct answers about themselves. I think it takes a lot of building up trust and I used to think it was because they were trying to protect themselves to an extent but and that may still be true but I also think they just don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about the the here and now in the external world. INFPs tend to place more value on these abstract thoughts, these abstract concepts, their internal world and less on and less on like this external environment. If they don't have to waste the mental energy on it, why would they? So the fourth question was given to every single type and it was, if someone wanted to convince you to do something you're morally against, how would they do so? And how do you define your moral code? And so I was looking at a couple different things. I wanted to see the emotionally charged language that they would use. I wanted to see also how people would address this question because particularly in the United States, um, ethical obstructions to education are a real thing in the US. Um, there are certain things that are fought against being taught because of religious beliefs or affiliations. And so with each of the types, I wanted to see if this was gonna be a factor. I had assumed that INFPs would have stronger moral codes or have a more rigid moral code, but that actually wound up not being the case necessarily in comparison to other types. With that extroverted intuition as the perceiving function, it actually tends to make them a lot less rigid than 
I would have supposed before going into this project. I wanted to see if they focused on, if they talked about the personal values. I wanted to see if they talked about the greater good. I wanted to see if they used those abstract examples versus the concrete. I was examining lots of different pieces of this, of the response, not what they said, but how they said it. And you can go look at the blog to look at all of that information. Something that was pretty stereotypical, it was like hit the nail on the head, is that 17% of INFPs said that they didn't necessarily have a defined moral code and that they couldn't give me abstract answers, but that they go with their gut. Going with their gut was big with the INFPs. Um, I know a lot of INFPs who call it their, their vibes or INFPs who call it like their, their feelings. Amanda is an ENFP and she talks about her gut all the time. I do. I call it my woo-woo. It's like my, my woo-woo-ness. But hey, I go with my gut. I get it though, because so you can have, you can have a, you can know your own morals, but with that extroverted intuition mixed with that FI, you have the ability to look at every situation from different perspectives and then choose which perspective. So I remember in the very, very, very beginning when I was trying to figure out what type I was and Jesse had just started really focusing on typing and we were kind of talking about my FI and I was trying to label it. I was trying to actually sit down and label what my introverted feeling was, like what I morally cared about, what my values were. And I, my first response was, I don't actually think I'm someone who has very many morals. But the trick, which at the time we just didn't know yet, was that when you mix FI and extrovert intuition, that's not always the case. Because really what it does is it opens your eyes to all of the perspectives, and then once you're in the situation, you go with your gut and you choose it. It's not necessarily something where some other types were able to say, no, I would never do this, and I know I would never do this, and there's nothing you can do to change my mind about it. Having never been in that situation, I personally, and most extroverted intuitives with some sort of FI in the mix that I know wouldn't necessarily make a statement that's so strict. It would be like, well, you know, I mean, I could see, I could see me doing mm -hmm. that. You know, I could see that happening. Um, I don't know many of them that would actually have like a hardcore, this is what I do every single time, even though I've never actually experienced that before. INFPs had, um, some of the higher ones with, they weren't sure. They were, it would depend. Um, so right along what Amanda's saying, so it was sitting at right about 30%. It's like not putting yourself in a box. It's like if you were to say, I would always do this in a situation, you'd be putting yourself in a box and being like, well, now I can't do anything else if I was in that situation. And a lot of them referenced a moral system, but they were very clear that it was their moral system and that it didn't necessarily follow anybody else's. 65% so of INFPs referenced one, but they, they didn't define it. So we are gonna see with other types where they had very clear lists of things that were moral and were not moral, and they would give me concrete examples of their morality, INFPs not so much. Also, this was not something I specifically asked, but I was really curious because when I interviewed ENFPs, for example, almost a third of them re referenced their open-mindedness in reference to this question, but INFPs don't talk about themselves, so only 6% of them referenced anything one way or the other. 
Um, most of them didn't reference their own open-mindedness. They were very like kind of shut off about it. So when it came to the greater good, that was something that I tracked with all of the types and what percentage of their answers included some sort of reference to the greater good. So they would say something like, I can break my moral code if it's for the greater good. INFPs had the lowest amount of reference to the greater good at only less than 5%. I'm always really careful with this information because I don't want it to seem like INFPs don't care about the greater good. I think what's important is that it isn't a, it's not an overwhelming factor. They are considering many other pieces. When we just did the ENTJ data, we talked about how a huge percentage, almost a quarter of the ENTJs referenced the greater good. And that was more indicative of the fact that they were looking at a big picture scope mm -hmm. and they weren't so interested in like the kind of fine, finite um, little pieces that could go into a moral conundrum. INFPs, because they can see so many different perspectives and pieces like Amanda was talking about with um, not being able to say for sure when you would break your moral code, I think that's more why they didn't reference the greater good because the greater good is such a big umbrella statement to say like if, if it were for the greater good, I would go ahead and do it. And INFPs showed their reluctance to make that kind of statement. I think that's probably why such a low percentage of them included that in their answer. So it's not to say they don't care about the bigger picture. It's to say that they weren't going to default to that answer because they were going to see all of these little mm -hmm. possibilities within the question. The fifth question that all intuitives were asked is to define your relationship with your intuition. And once again, I was curious to see how often were people going to say that they went with their gut or went with their own instinct over learning in a system. Like I wanted to see if that was going to create any difficulties within a structure. Their responses were, once again, really varied. Um, almost 44% of them said that they trusted their intuition like all of the time. 12% said most of the time, um, 48%, I'm sorry, 38% said sometimes. Interestingly enough, we had 6% of IFPs come straight up and say, I don't trust my intuition because it's burned me in the past. Continuing with the pattern for INFPs, that heavy reliance on abstract evidence at 54% of their answers and only 17% at concrete. So that's like a concrete example. So for instance, an abstract example for a, an abstract answer for this question would be like, I trust my intuition all of the time. It is my life. Okay. There's not any strong like specifics I can see there. But if an INFP were to say, I use my intuition to make decisions like what to do with my child in school, and they would go throughout a very detailed concrete example in the external world, that would be a concrete definition. INFPs did not give me those specifics. Everything was very broad. Everything was very general. So even though INFPs had a more positive view of the education system than I would expect a perceiving type to have, we're going to talk about all of the implications for the INFPs in the system right now. So first we're going to give the warning that we always give. Carl Jung was very clear on not typing children. The MBTI official organization comes out and says don't type children. So we do not believe in typing children if, like we don't believe in that, if you are going to use it to 
put a kid in a box. Too often children latch onto things and make that part of their identity. I mean, I've seen that even as something as simple as a Harry Potter house. Children get like really up into their identity about mm -hmm. this. So if you do something as seemingly all-consuming as personality type and you stick that on a kid, we are afraid that, that can limit them. Right. And Carl Jung only ever thought that typing should be used for an individual to understand their own biases and not really to be used to project onto another person. So we want to keep all of that in mind. Having said that, as a teacher, I love this example, so I'm going to use it again. Nobody would say that calling a kid a kinesthetic learner is putting them in a box. Nobody would say that calling a kid a visual learner is putting them in a box. So if you understand that kids in your classroom are going to engage in the environment in specific ways and in patterns, then you can use that as a tool in your toolbox to better understand the system. And that is how this should be used full stop. The first thing is uh, introverted feeling because that is their primary way that they interact with the environment. So introverted feeling when they are a child, it's when they are trying to develop. And introverted feeling with extroverted intuition, it's when they're trying to build up their logical system, or I'm sorry, build up their value systems, and they need a lot of information to do that. Mm -hmm. So INFPs really like to, they, or they tend to love learning. And unlike INTPs, they don't tend to be as rigid with how that learning is given to them. So a lot of INFPs said that they didn't like math. A lot of INFPs said they tended to skew more towards the arts. Mm -hmm. But even then, a lot of them were good at math subjects as well. It was like just taking in information. Mm -hmm. Expert intuition just is a sponge. It just wants all of it. It just wants to know. It wants to learn. It wants a little bit of everything. And then INFPs, if they liked the, if they liked the vibe, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. of a specific teacher, mm -hmm. or they liked a classroom culture, then even if the subject was kind of challenging for them, it seems like that was easier to overcome. INFPs also talked about the learning environment as it pertained to the teachers. So they talked about the teacher influence. So introverted feeling, the big takeaway with this one is that it is really personal to the INFP and it depends. A lot of INFPs, when I asked them that moral code question, they did talk about peer pressure and they were afraid of being specifically manipulated because INFPs see themselves as very empathetic and they see themselves as able to put themselves in people's shoes, like introverted feeling has the reputation for being able to do very well. And so if they are pressured to do something morally, that integrated feeling process would kind of take over and let them see it from that other person's perspective and possibly make them do something that they would regret later. Because if they're not thinking about the external environment, that can be very dangerous for them when they're making moral decisions. So INFPs, when they are in the education system or if they are learning something, they may not necessarily have any of the roadblocks that I would associate with introverted thinking or somebody who has like a very rigid system. 
it might not be something that they consider until later because they're just kind of absorbing all of this this in as they're a young child and very impressionable which places a lot of responsibility on the teachers to make sure that the education that they are giving the students really is the best one. I know a lot of teachers, it's really hard to keep your own belief systems separate. It's really hard as an educator. I've had many teachers who made that part of their curriculum, but remaining objective is really important if you're an INFP child because you're impressionable. And if a teacher is sometimes even unintentionally kind of leaking out this sort of bias or negativity, it can be really bad for an INFP child. Did you want to add to that? Well, the only thing I'm thinking of is especially those people who, those teachers who they really did vibe with, I feel like INFPs can sometimes be a little idealistic. And so if they are looking up to you, as the expert in that field and as someone that they just have a good feeling about and have a good vibe with and they appreciate the culture you've created in your classroom and you know they trust you then oftentimes that infp is just going to take in the information that you're giving them and then like that is now truth mm. and so especially when they're younger but i i'm even talking about adult infps my husband's an infp so I've even seen it in adults where they'll hear something and not necessarily do the fact checking. And so as a child, that would be, you know, happening even more um, because you're, you're supposed to be able to trust the people that, that are supposed to be the experts around you as you're, as you're going through school. So like Jesse said, and, and you know what, for her to say that it's hard to take her own bias out even when you're teaching and like take all that stuff away and she's an extroverted feeler. She doesn't even have this introverted feeling. So like for her to be able to recognize how hard it is, I'm sure if you're a teacher and you actually have introverted feeling and then you're kind of putting your own twists or turns or opinions or values out there as truth, the INFPs are going to take that as truth. And especially since that extroverted intuition second function wants information. And so like you put, mm -hmm. let's put all these pieces together. They want information. They want to learn. They have like the external world doesn't necessarily matter as much. The things that mm -hmm. value are like all about the mind. And so if you have a toxic teacher or a teacher with really bad opinions, really right. like in this little kid, it's just going to, it's just sucking them up. Yeah. And so I really want to be careful because I don't want to play into that INFPs are gullible stereotype, but this is just looking at their cognitive functions. Extroverted intuition has this craving for information. It's got this like, and when you have it as your first function, mm -hmm. it's often easier for you to drop information. But when it's your second, you are absorbing it, but you're putting it, it's coming through a filter first. And when you're a kid, you're building that filter, right? You and don't so, have the filter yet. So you're just kind of taking it all, right? So you have to build it. And so who you get that information from is really important mm -hmm. because unlike INTPs who have like a, they're sort of born with this natural, natural logic system. factor. <laughs> This natural logic system, INFPs may not necessarily have that because it, it's all about the things that create feelings. Mm -hmm. 
I, so introverted thinking, just to go back to like basic definition of Carl Jung, introverted thinking is an internal logical system. It's like a system of obje of personal objectivity and checks and balances. It's like a whole bunch of conditionals. You, you go up throughout your life and you figure out if this happens, then this happens. It's like everything is connected mm -hmm. on each other. Introverted feeling is everything that creates emotion. So you're naturally inclined to things that don't necessarily have to be factual. And those have a lot of value. Things like art at all would not be possible without the introverted feelers of mm -hmm. this world. So introverted feeling in itself is not bad. That is not what we are saying. Not at all. The warning is that if you have introverted feeling children yep. and you as a teacher, like, yes, these kids are eating this up. Like mm -hmm. I'm just feeding them whatever, like I'm just, I'm giving them my own personal knowledge. You as an adult in the room, like I always put this back on the teacher. They need to understand what they are potentially doing to a kid because these are the kids who might be the teacher's pet. Maybe they're real early, stay real late, and like they just want to eat it everything up. You have to teach them how to be how to be critical thinkers, even yeah. of you mm -hmm. as the educator, and that's really important for INFPs to learn. And I feel like as they age and as they get into their extroverted thinking process, critical thinking skills do come about and a lot of the INFPs that I know, I'm going to talk about the two INFP teachers, very different, two INFP teachers I work with in just a second, um, but I feel like their filtering system does become a lot more nuanced and varied, but as it is in children, they've got to take in a lot of information to get that nuance and to get that variation and to build up a, to build up a structure that makes sense to them. And as a child, your emotions kind of run wild anyways, because just even your self-discipline, your self-control, your self-awareness is just not there as a child. So when they're taking in things that create the feelings, like Jesse is saying, that's everything. <laughs> like, that's so much. That's your friends, your family, your school, your classroom, what you're even learning in the classroom. It's, it's all of it combined. So it's, it's, it's not going to be often that they hear something that they like kind of don't take into consideration and that's overwhelming. And it also can just so quickly steer them in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Um, something else to think about. So when we're looking at the education system, INFPs also are very sensitive. Like I'm just, they just are because as they're developing this highly attuned focus on what creates feelings, they're going to feel things and they're going to feel it a lot. And I, this is not a me thought. This is a thought that I actually picked up from someone else, another MBTI person, but sometimes all of those feelings can cause them to shut down and to become actually kind of unemotional mm -hmm. because it's too hard to walk around feeling all of the things all of the time. And so they sort of, they shut, they shut it all up inside and they can get triggered by things that sometimes I think are even unexpected to them. So if they are watching something in a class and you as a teacher are showing kids like Animals being eaten or something. Yes, or, or World War II is right. what I was thinking of, like um, those that the footage of like the the Holocaust from World War II. 
and an IFPs in your classroom, they might be like really affected. And as a child, a teenager, or a young adult, they could be very visibly affected. And I think that's hard, especially for boys who are mm -hmm. INFPs. Um, I talk to a lot of INFP males. That's really challenging because, again, as a teacher, you don't always know what to do in those instances. And it's hard from, we have that whole video on uh, male feelers mm -hmm. and the masculine archetypes. So you should go check that out if you want more information about that. But I feel like as a teacher, you have to understand how to, how to be the best support for mm -hmm. these sensitive children because they can be really, really sensitive. <laughs> and not thinking that it's just drama for drama's sake or oh my God, anything yes. like that, especially for, so like for, for boys, it's one thing because when you see it in a boy that young, you know that it's typically not manipulation of any sort or, mm -hmm. or drama or anything like that. You can kind of, I feel like our society has more of a heart for little boys who are sensitive because we know that it's true. You know, it's not, but then when you see a little girl who might be more sensitive than the rest or who calls attention to her sensitivity, that it feels like a dramatic girl mm -hmm. and you're trying to get her to like handle your emotions. Don't you know what I mean? And it's just a very different, so just don't just understand that that some of these kids are going to have real emotions about things that are happening that again are behind the scenes the same thing we've talked about with the INTPs that they may kind of dismiss something that that is actually truth because they've built this logical system as a child not really understanding what the truth was mm -hmm. and so they may dismiss that in this case it's almost like because they're taking in so much and they're feeling so much, they might be more sensitive to it and you need to not dismiss that. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that this video is very different from the other ones that we are looking at because we're not really looking at it from an academic standpoint, but that's because we are looking at cognitive function mm -hmm. development. And so introverted feeling, this is going to create a lot of the problems for the kids as it appeals to the emotional side. And then the extroverted intuition is just taking in a lot of the information. The one part of the academics that I did want to touch on, and we touched on this in the INTP video as well, is that tendency towards the abstract. Mm -hmm. It's this big focus on the abstract. So it's really funny to me sometimes because when we did the video on ISTPs, we talked about how they needed to see the point. Mm -hmm. We talked about why, like, if you can't make it matter to real life, then certain ISTPs have a tendency to just write it off. Like, why does this even matter? Mm -hmm. And we're going to cover that more and more, like, with other types as well. INFPs, it's the opposite. Yep. <laughs> if something doesn't have meaning, like, making an INFP sit through, like, a life skills class probably makes them want to rip their head out, like, their <laughs> hair out. I understand a lot of INFPs know that this is not a skill they have. A lot of INFPs know that... They need to marry wealthy because <laughs> they need to figure this. They it's hard for them to figure out. They it's not that it's hard for them to figure life out. This is one of the other things I've learned so so fully about INXPs, INTPs, and INFPs. If they want to do yes. it, they are so good at it. If they want to, so but for an INFP, it's do they value this enough yes. to learn it, take it seriously, and keep it inside? And see that it matters. Yes. So like if you so if an INFP valued money skills, then they could be really good at it. So many INFPs in my life don't care about it. They want what they need to survive, but because it doesn't have that greater meaning, yeah. because it, they can't 
feel it because they're not getting like those vibes off of it because they're not seeing the value in it. It's boring and they don't want to do it. So then you stick an INFP in a class that they're like, this is boring. This is not making me feel anything. This is not about all of the feelings. I'm not even really getting new information or new interesting information. They're going to check out. INFP children, if you can't make them value it, it's so boring. And, and apparently not just the children. <laughs> and not just the children. And I will tell you now, as somebody who cares deeply for, for both INTPs and INFPs, like really the people closest to me in my life are perceivers, except for my husband. Literally every single person who's close to me in my life is a perceiver. How did that happen? Because you like control. Oh my god, yes. You guys just let me do what you want to do. And we're just like, yeah, let's have fun. And then my yeah. husband just tells me what to do. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Because I get to... Anyway. So, I understand really, really intimately how hard it is to make a perceiver, an introverted perceiver, do what you need them to do. So, as a teacher for an introverted feeling child, you have a task ahead of you to make them care about your subject. You have to make them care. And so this is completely different. It is a different side than... I think it makes sense though, because if you look at the education, education system as a whole anyways, there should be meaning behind what we are teaching in general. I say this as an ENFP though, but yeah, I was going to say like practicality wise there is, but that's not always enough. Uh, right. And so, but that, that's where I was getting is that, so when you're in a, um, a science class, right? Let's say if you're in a health class, you're learning about your body, how to take care of it, all those things, even though that is practical, it is very helpful. It has legitimate meaning there. Yeah, but INFPs don't always care about their physical sense. They don't. They don't. And even though this is what is necessary even for their brain to work the way that it does forever, healthy brain function, all those things, there's not a feeling behind mm -hmm. it. So even if, it, because I feel like most of the time when we're trying to give advice to the other types, we're like, make it into something that is going to really like just kind of get in there for that type, you know? And for a lot of the sensors, we say like, move around, change environment, get also coach them how to, yeah, bring it back down. This is why this, this is important is because, you know, 30 years from now when you need to learn this or do this in your career or whatever, like you're, you're teaching them how to INFPs. You got to attach existential meaning. Yes. Which is, is even more challenging. No, it is not the same and not at every all. Subject, not every subject has an opportunity. So sometimes you need to sit there and actually with care, talk to them and try to get them to, again, you're part of, Value part of their learning. Yes. Part of their learning is to say, this is something that you should value and here is why. But you have to approach it as a, this is something to value and this is why you should value it. And it might not be something that's going to be lovey-dovey or frilly or anything like that. And INFPs don't have to have all of that all the time. As children, a little bit more so, but even if you, even if you don't, even if you don't get through to them as they're a child, just take Plant the, the time. Yes. Take the time that as, as an educator, that's what you're doing mm -hmm. every single day of your entire life. When you are in that classroom, make sure that you actually do it though. Because if you just say this kid doesn't get it, they don't care. So I don't care. I'm not going to show up if they that. don't show up. 
I, I've heard that from so many teachers. I'm sure you have being in the system, but that's not the approach here. Any teacher who blames children, yes. I swear to goodness, because Amanda, how many times do I blame children? Literally never. never. I don't do that. And I get it. That's my INFJ idealist thing that everybody hates. Perfectionist, like thinks I'm better than everybody else. Nonsense. Guys, go ahead. Come at me. I'm an INFJ. I can handle it. It's fine. But I can't stand it when teachers, who are the adults in a classroom, blame children. So you're looking at a system, oh God, it's coming, my soapbox, but it's <laughs> You're looking at a system where most of the teachers are sensors, so let's not forget, that means their extroverted intuition is their inferior function, mm -hmm. or it's their third function. And then you have children who want meaning to things. And you have the teacher, again, the adult in the room, and they're young, impressionable little babies, and the teacher's being like, not everything has to have a bigger meaning. Get over it. Right. That's soul-crushing. I hate it. Yeah. I can't stand it. If you are an educator, you have a moral obligation to understand that they're children, and that you're the grown person, and that that means you are stretched thin all the time because you're at your ends. Otherwise, you don't deserve to be in the classroom. Hopefully, INFPs can feel me on this one because this is a real strong feeling that I have. But I see so many teachers who are like, just get over it. I can't stand it because these are the little gifted babies. That's something else that we usually talk yeah. about is the percentage of children who are gifted. But the highest percentage of children in the gifted program in the United States are extroverted intuitives. So these kids are seen as naturally smart, and you hear gifted teachers kind of rolling their eyes about gifted kids being like, they're just so dramatic and yes. they overthink everything and they're just, they're yep. so overly, overly they, they question everything. Yes. They need a reason for everything. And why is that bad? Right. If you are an educator, you learn how to adapt to the kids. I cannot stand this idea that the kids have to adapt to you as an educator. So having said that, let's talk about INFP teachers. So INFPs in education, it's still a smaller percentage and I think it's because the schedule is really strict like putting on a lot of stringent standards on people is not not all about INFPs well and it's not your standards that you're necessarily putting mm -hmm. on them hopefully but I think INFPs probably for the most part I think people in general adults know that you can't just walk into a classroom and teach however you want, whatever you want. Uh, people get away, people attempt to, and usually do get away with it. But I don't think that's going to be the majority of people just walking into a classroom being like, I'm just gonna talk about whatever I wanna talk about today. Um, some teachers do, I don't know, for sure. But I'm thinking as an INFP, if you know that you are passionate about these things, you believe these things, and if the public education school system doesn't necessarily fall in line with those things, then why are you gonna subject yourself to having to teach about the things that you disagree with? Right, and so something else that I wanted to bring up is the fact that I do work with two INFPs. I teach high school English, and the joke as a high school English teacher in America is you either become a teacher because you wanted to be a writer or because you grew up reading Harry Potter and Twilight. Like, that's it, there are two types of teachers. You wanna be a writer, or you like Harry Potter and Twilight. Which English major were you? And so the two INFPs, I mean. That's not wrong. <laughs> guess which one I was, guys. So the, 
So the two INFP teachers that I work with, blow. Just it, what, something that's funny is my husband's actually an English major as well, not yep. a teacher though, but it's because he wanted to be a writer. Yep. <laughs> and also love Harry Potter, so. Yep. So it's not wrong. It's not. I'm telling you, if you're an English teacher in in um, like in high school, that's I don't know what middle school teachers are doing, but in high school, this is this is the norm. It is like every single one of us, one or the other. I was just talking to one of them about this two days ago. It blows my mind how little structure they need to be able to give a phenomenal lesson, because. For me, when I give a lesson, I have, I've actually talked about this several times with typing people, when I'm typing a person, they will talk about an example with me or Amanda, and I always have to give the background, well, you can't take what you see on video from me as a sign of anything, because I'm reading off of a script most of the time. Like, I have the numbers in front of me, if I'm talking about, like, all of our cognitive function videos, I read almost completely off of a script. Amanda doesn't have to do that because she's an extroverted intuitive and she can just talk and it sounds way more polished than anything I'm going to say. Like, it just happens. But when I teach, I'm the same way. I teach off of a PowerPoint. Both of but my... that also means that she gives accurate information, whereas I throw out a lot of bullshit sometimes. <laughs> so, my INFP teacher friends don't do that. Like, <laughs> well, no, if I'm taking it serious, if I'm in a professional setting, then I'm going to do some research, but I still wouldn't need, like, a full structure. Mm -hmm. I would just kind of know what I'm going in there to do and to say. Something that I think that the INFP teachers are really gifted in, I feel like INFPs, like, when you think about them or when you look at, the, like, the archetypes on, like, 16 personalities, which is disgusting or whatever, mm -hmm. but they... They show them as like the hippie butterfly children. And I feel like people who just look at that archetype would automatically assume that IFPs need to either be like the professors smoking weed in the grass or the elementary school art teachers. Mm -hmm. And INFPs are really good in serious subjects like English and history, religion, philosophy, because they can walk into a class and every class they teach that day can be very different. Mm -hmm. And every class that, even if it's the same subject, in every class that they hold can be interactive based on the kids in the room. Right. And they can adapt much quicker than I can. I can't handle that. Adapt. adapt. Right. I had to learn. I've had to learn how to adapt into a classroom. And I've got so much experience now that when something happens, I can adapt, but it's not because I'm doing it in the moment. I'm not making a split choice like decision. It's because I've already thought this through or I've already experienced this and I've already seen the pattern. Of so what you have like a plan for what's going to yes, happen. Yes, I have a contingency matters. based yeah. on contingency based on contingency. In fact, my INFPs made fun of me for this the other day because I wasn't sure what the administration was going to do. And they were like, you don't need to plan for if the school decides to hold a drill in the middle of the period and if these kids show up and if these kids don't show up, you don't need 112, literally. 112 slides for the PowerPoint for the first day of school based on every contingency. Now it's like, I disagree. <laughs> but you can sit there with your paper because this is what they'll do. They stand there with the paper and they can give a lesson and the kids get their minds blown and they're inspired by these teachers who are really just like making it up on the fly. It kills me. It kills me that I have to work so hard to be a third as good as they are. But you know what? I'm sure when you see uh, like a presentation that Jesse's put together, though, like 
it when you're one of one of us <laughs> who, who don't do that um, if people ask me to put together a presentation I'm just kind of like man like do I really have to do like this is not can I just talk to you like this is not necessary people are like oh can you put it in a document for me I'm like I'd really rather not <laughs> I can, can I just say it no those INFP powerpoints kill me because it's like slide three words I'm like, yeah, it's like what do you forget you the bullet points and I'm just gonna talk to the bullet points but they don't forget yeah no they don't, don't forget to what to say but it's because it's like it's that it's that extrovert intuition that just kind of Crazy. passes all this information and then on the spot and it's not really it's it's on the spot but it's also pattern making so it's like been here done that type of situation so even if you've not memorized what you're going to say for that day you have an idea once you've done it once you know you kind of know how it's gonna go and then if chaos ensues and you have to navigate and, and pivot or whatever then you have experience in that too at some point in your life you've had to pivot it some somewhere mm -hmm. along the way and something worked for you or you know what didn't work for you and then you just kind of it's like a, it is a split-second decision but it's like based on they still have that NESI mix right there in the middle and so it's still based on like this is what's happened before and I'm just gonna talk to it and I'm gonna pivot in the middle of it and then you've got that FI who's able to tailor it to the people in the room mm hmm so point is just like we've said I think in almost every single video we haven't gotten to the types yet in our videos where we talk about those who are really heavy in education yeah no so far it's been everyone who isn't in education right so INFPs Again, they're usually concentrated in college or in elementary school, at least in modern concept, like modern mind for those mm -hmm. of us who know MBTI, but I, I work with two of them and have worked with them for a very long time and I very, very much admire how they're able to work with gifted kids because they can do things that I cannot do and particularly one is very gifted with inspiring gifted kids. So I feel like more INFPs need to come to education. I understand the schedule is not for y'all. The bureaucracy, I can speak. Bureaucracy is not for y'all. The paperwork is so, so tedious. But y'all are looking for meaning. What greater meaning can there be than educating a kid, than educating children? An entire generation. <laughs> and I know those of you who are watching this who are not INFPs are calling BS on me, on my butt right now, but hopefully the INFPs out there who are idealistic and searching for a career and searching for meaning can come over to the side of education because both of my INFP teacher friends make going to work every day infinitely easier so go to the education system for sure okay so we talked about INFPs as teachers we talked about INFPs as students now we're going to talk about parents of INFPs yes which you know we actually talked a lot about INFPs and just kind of like how to treat the children at, who who may show characteristics of being an INFP and it's going to be very similar when we talk about the parents, I feel like, because we talked about don't yeah, let your we'll kids off when they're dramatic, do, like understand that, oh gosh, and so, oh my gosh, I'm just having all these things happen. So <laughs> talking about teachers, not putting their opinion out 
as fact. Ooh, I know who the INFPs. As parents, a teachers, you would hope, would have somewhat of a filter going into their career, right? Taking it seriously, knowing that they have an impact, all of that. You would hope the majority of teachers out there have an understanding of that. Parents, as parents, you feel like that is your child. You get to teach them what you want to teach them. You get to have a say in all that. And yes, that is part of being a parent. It is giving your opinion. It is letting them see what your belief system is, what your culture looks like, what your, all of those things. But I would just really caution you to not just say, this is the only way, this is the only belief system, this is the only thing that exists or the only thing that holds value. It is okay, it is your right to be able to express yourself to your child and to teach them if you are a Christian, teach them why you are a Christian, why that holds value to you, why that holds value to your family. But if your, your kid makes a friend at school who is Buddhist and they come home and start talking about it, don't write that off as it being the wrong religion. There are ways to communicate about these things without dismissing other options. And once again, the INFPs, especially as children, are just taking in that information and they don't necessarily have that filter yet. So they may hear, <coughs> oh my God. Taking in that information. Yes. Hold on. Okay. I want to make sure I'm not gross. Okay. Is my eye okay? Yeah. No, my eyelash. Did it go? Oh, come off. Nope. You're good. Okay. So as INFPs, they are just taking in that information and they're building that filter. But if they immediately hear that this religion is bad or this belief is bad, whatever it may be, that's what they just learned. That is what they just soaked up. And potentially they'll hear it a different way at some point in their life and be able to maybe tweak their opinion or something like that. But at the same time, if that saying or if that description of that religion or that belief system ends up being one of those things that helps create that filter while they're a child, that is now just embedded in them. Mm. That is part of their filtering system. So don't do it. Mm -mm. <laughs> like, again, it is your right. It is a beautiful opportunity that we all have as parents to be able to raise these children, uh, raise these children into these magnificent adults who can be independent and be in our society and be making a difference. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you have every right to voice your opinion to your child and to parent the way that you would like to, but just don't be dismissive of other options just because that wasn't the option that you chose. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, also, I want to move on to INFP parents. So INFPs who are parents, mm -hmm. because I think that it can be really challenging for you guys as well. Oh, I know, I know. This is really hard advice to give because as Amanda was talking, I was thinking about how an INFP as a parent would take that advice and they would see it as their moral obligation mm -hmm. to teach their children the right way to be. I think personally it is more, oh God, I'm sorry, introverted feelers. I think teaching your kids how to think critically and how to make the right choice for themselves, I think is more important than what to think. So teaching them yes. how to think is infinitely more valuable than what to think. Yep. And so 
I know that INFPs in particular have very strong feelings about the right way to parent and the right way to be. It's well, you know, hard. I, well, it's hard having those hard, those high moral standards because something else I've seen in INFPs is the standards they have for themselves and others are very high. And um, and it's hard. It's harder than a standard that a J type would have. In, a, in to an extent because they're existential so like you can't sometimes they'll have a standard like and you can't really meet it because it's not real it's not provable so it's like they have this expectation of a person to be a certain way like they want their kids to be upstanding citizens but because it doesn't come with that concrete piece don't always have a great way to like know that that objective has been met and so then they never give the person validation so infps oh god i know i know this is gonna I hit like so you're bad talking about me no i'm not <laughs> you're talking about these high expectations that are unreachable i mean <laughs> i just like i'm just res i just kind of feel personally attached <laughs> i'm not attacking you introverted feelers i know no no but she's completely right though that is completely right my point is that you need to give your kids validation if you're an infp parent yeah i'm sorry you have to give people validation i understand that you think that they don't i understand that you think that they don't need it people need validation they do they do so infps out there oh god i know they're coming for me because i know i know how they view it I get it that it's not your responsibility how people feel based on what you give them. I understand you guys. Believe me, I understand you better probably than like 99% of extroverted feelers in the world. I get it. I know what you guys have to say. This is true. We've had so many conversations about this trying to figure out why there was such a disconnect in so many ways when it came to validation for year, years. I mean like, but people need it. So if you are an INFP parent or an INFP teacher, if you are an INFP parent or an INFP teacher, give the validation. Because here's the thing, you guys are like, well, so I hear, I hear you, I hear you right now. Well, they can have the validation when they deserved it, or it's not my responsibility how they, my actions make them feel. Okay. You want an ob your objectives are existential. They are unmeetable. <laughs> you have to give them validation for trying because certain people thrive on it. And then you can hop off of this video and go watch one of our extroverted feeling videos because we're going to talk all about validation because certain types cannot, cannot be successful without, without validation. They absolutely cannot. And like, there's one type in particular that I'm thinking about that absolutely like, if you do not give that to them, they will fall apart. And yeah. that is not a flaw, introverted feelers. It isn't. It is how they are mentally wired. I'm sorry. I'm putting an expectation on you guys and an obligation. You're like, ew, gross. It's so gross. Obligation, so ew, gross. responsibility. Not, I'm not saying you guys are irresponsible, but like when I'm throwing this no, it's, on you, it's having the responsibility for someone else's feelings. It's, yeah, and then you guys that hate is it so hard. It makes me cringe. Oh, I know. Oh, oh. it's one of it's one of it's one. All of, the of you introverted feelers are like that. I it know. It's one of the things. <laughs> but she's not wrong. <laughs> she is not wrong. <laughs> 
I'm not sick. And it doesn't have, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be the end of the world for us to validate others. <laughs> did you choke on your words? I did. <laughs> Does. No, <laughs> no, it, it does doesn't. not. It doesn't it because doesn't. The it makes value. them so happy. Let's talk about the value in giving validation. So if you value what that person is doing, if you value that person as a whole, if you value the results that person's giving, the job that person's doing, if so, what I'm doing is I'm trying to. I'm trying to beat the system here for you, okay? <laughs> because <laughs> because this this is hard. It is hard to look at someone and say, I I have a responsibility here because I impact how you feel. And so I do have a responsibility to uphold that I can't just be so blunt and so uncaring and in, in my delivery to you because I'm going to impact you and in multiple ways, right? There is responsibility in how you deliver something to someone, whether that be news or whether that be, um, you know, uh, giving them the results of something or giving them an update on how they're doing, anything like that. There's responsibility there. And so, and that's hard and it feels as though because introverted feeling is within. <laughs> it's the whole point, it's within. And so for you to have to, for you to look at someone and say, for them to let you know they need the validation or even worse, if they don't tell you they need the validation and you just happen to miss it, it doesn't come natural to you because you don't necessarily always need that validation. That validation for an FIE, so usually comes later, especially for an INFP, usually comes later in life. It's usually going to be extroverted feeling and extroverted thinking that needs more validation than others that function, not the humans, but the function. And your extroverted thinking is your inferior function. It's your fourth function. It takes you a long time to get there. And even then, it's not one of your strongest cognitive functions. So it's not necessarily something that you hold super near and dear to you, usually. So it comes very, it's, it's not natural for you to need the validation. So then it's also not natural for you to give that validation. But Jesse's not wrong. There are types out there who just to function, they need the validation and that one thing to know is that validation doesn't necessarily mean going gaga over someone. It doesn't mean being fake or dramatic or trying to boost them up in, in a, you know, in more than what they deserve type of way. This just means validating that the job they did was a job well done. Right. This just means that if they just did the best performance review, they did the best performance review. If the, whatever it means, it just means taking the fact and you know, we're good at saying you're not good enough at this, but we're not great at saying you did a very good job here. And when you have a child as an INFP parent, you really do need to, to give them props for trying. And so I admire INFPs for their standards. Um, there's a joke with the INFPs I work with that they both have conviction and I do not. But I think, and I think that conviction is important and it's really good to have. But I think sometimes it can come across as a little too rigid for children. And so just being mindful of, of that. I'm not asking INFPs to completely change themselves. We're asking for them to acknowledge their biases mm -hmm. and to acknowledge their tendencies for something that's gross to them, but maybe necessary to a child. So INFP teachers and parents need to keep that in mind. 
One other thing I would say about INFP parents, parents who are INFPs, is that um, real life does matter, and it does matter to mm -hmm. teach your children about real life. So bills, finances, doctor's appointments, responsibilities. It's important because that actually is your job as a parent. That isn't something that we teach in school. Who knows why, but we don't. So that is something that needs to come from the parent. Or marry yourself a sensor who can do it for you. <laughs> or marry yourself someone who can, yeah. Because it, that's, it's a hard thing to learn. It really sucks. You INFP parents actually know how bad it sucks because you had to learn the hard way more than likely about responsibility. So it's one of those things where if you can set up your child for success from the start by teaching them those real life things, teaching them how to balance their bank account, how to, I was going to say checkbook, no one does that. But if you, <laughs> I'm not even that old. Um, but if you, if you can just make sure that you're paying your bills on time, you know, and that you can afford a car at some point in your life and all those things, get a job, just the basics, you know, how to do laundry. All those things are legitimate examples that I'm pulling from my real life experiences with INFPs. So, um, just make sure that you, you are putting that out there that even though once again, it doesn't hold much value to you in an emotional way, it is a very valuable skill and something that would really help your kid out to know. Because being a human in real life is real hard. And hopefully this makes it a little bit easier. Thank you for watching. INFPs, I know you guys have been waiting for this. Literally, like on every video we've released, we've had our wonderful INFP fans being like, when's the INFP when's video the coming? <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed. Um, you can go over to the blog and look at all of the data and stick around because this is coming out in August, this video of 2021 and so the first day of fall is September 15th and so that's when I'm hoping to release the poll for the Second. next data set and so the next data set collection probably won't start until probably maybe November mm -hmm. I have to I will have a like a test a test set that I'll be working with first but keep your eyes out for around September 15th because I said fall, so I'm working on sticking true to my promises and working in reality myself. So I'm doing that. Now Amanda's going to tell you what to do to keep up with TCH. Like, comment, subscribe, share, 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 share. Um, also, you can hit us up anytime for the next data set or just to kind of ask us questions. There is still the free type clarification that is happening as well. Um, but you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Discord, and the YouTube comments. Uh, we also have an email account, which you can find on our profile, as well as a contact us page on the website where Jesse's beautiful blog is located. And I've been really, really, really good this summer for past several months. If you reached out to TCH, like I, it's quick responses, like, and I've loved, loved interacting with you guys this summer. It has been freaking amazing. So, and now real life again. I know. Oh, well. <laughs> Everybody's got to do it. Yeah, INFPs. Everyone's got to do it. <laughs> I love you, INFPs. Love you. Thanks for being here. Let's gather around the type fire and sing our type fire song. Our M-B-T-I-T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y song. And if you feel uncomfortable, then know there's nothing wrong.